Okay. Hey, it is great to be with you, and what a wonderful testimony that uh, five weeks in a row you've done water baptisms. We're getting submerged in the identity of who we really are. We're the family of God, and uh, I'm quite excited to be with you. Uh, I've been spending some time up in the mountains lately for a couple of reasons. Number one, just to spend time with God. And number two, I'm doing a little bear hunting while I'm spending time with God. But my primary purpose has been spending time with God, so therefore I'm not disappointed that I haven't gotten a bear yet. And uh, I did see the bear, but that was before the hunting season was on. And he waved at me, and now he's just been walking in my territory and dropping some poop just to let me know that he's still there. But, uh, but anyway, I've been a couple of thousand feet up in the air where I can see all the way up to Canada and I see a long distance and uh, the bears are in the trees waving at me on the other side but every now and then they come out. But in my time away, uh, I've been challenged uh, in our own local church by my son, the pastor. He challenged the congregation to spend some time at the end of this month uh, until September in fasting and prayer. Don't have to fast the whole time, but he said fast and pray during this time as a church. And when you fast, don't go because you have needs. Go because you want to feast on the last thing that God said to you. And uh, he said, you know, Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days, but he was feasting on the words, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So his 40-day journey in the wilderness was not about defeating the devil. It was about feasting on the fact that he was a beloved son of his father and his father was pleased with him. So Pastor Jonathan challenged us to go and feast on the last words that God has said. And I've had a summer, I've had a whole year where God has spoken to me a lot. So I'm thinking, well, what is the last thing that you said to me, God? And so... Last week I was up in the mountains and, and God reminded me of something that he said to me a little over 11 years ago. You know, sometimes you need to let God define the last thing that he said in your life. Uh, he may be saying lots of things, but maybe there's something very significant that he said to you a long time ago that you kind of put on the back burner and didn't realize how significant it was. Uh, when I transitioned to church, when God directed me to transition our local congregation to my son, uh, God told me that he was, I had finished a 20-year chapter in my life and that he was giving me another 20-year assignment. And at the end of that 20-year assignment, he would give me my final chapter. He didn't actually say the final chapter would be 20 years, but that would be great. Uh, I just know that I'm in my in 11 year into my 20-year chapter that's present. And in this chapter, he told me that I would be an equipping and a resource to the body of Christ. And so I've committed my life to being that. And so I travel a lot. I teach a lot. I write a lot. I, I do a lot of resources. And uh, so I've been walking that journey. But at the beginning of that journey, God did an amazing thing. He opened a door for me to have a training camp that was 35 acres with a big facility to house students and a 
facility to train them, and I started that. He dropped it in my lap. I had it for 18 months, some of you remember. And uh, it lasted 18 months, and, and it shocked me that the money didn't come through to purchase it. And so I ended up, due to circumstances beyond my control, having to walk away from it. But when I was given this opportunity for this training camp, what came out of my spirit that flooded my soul, what came from inside of me that flooded my thoughts was, God, you're good. God, you're my friend. You had those moments? It comes from inside of you. Your spirit wells up and floods your soul. Holy Spirit touches your spirit. And then from inside of you comes this expression that is beyond what you could come up with your mind. And I get, just kept saying, it wasn't just because of the facility, it was because how quick and how amazing, how the love of my father was in causing this thing to happen. And at the end of that 18 months when it didn't work, I said, wow, what was this? And God said, how did you, he said, I want you to leave the same way you entered. How did you enter this thing? No, actually, he said, how did you enter this thing? And I said, well, God, you are my friend. He said, good. I want you to leave the same way you entered. So on a day that looked like failure, I had to allow my spirit to well up with the same expressions that I had on the day that looked like success. And I had to say, God, you're my friend. So last week when I was up in the mountains, God said, I want you to feast on I'm your friend. So I'm talking today on friendship with God. Uh, I'm going to speak tonight on spiritual realities. And I think pastor's going to let you know we're going to change the schedule a little, but we are speaking tonight. But today I'm taking with friendship with God. I'm going to be blogging on this. You're taking notes, but I'm also going to be blogging on this at TED number four, YOU.com. And so if you want to follow that, you'll get a greater detail of this in my blogs. And yesterday I spent time on a new book that I'm going to be releasing in the next month or so called Friendship with God, The Empowerment of Honor and Grace. And so I'm excited about this whole subject but I'm more excited about my experience with my friend, God. So friendship with God is exhibited with works because we trust a friend. <laughs> it's a place of intimacy. God's always wanted intimacy with human beings. On man's bad day in the beginning, when man... Adam and Eve chose to disconnect from God in an intimate relationship, chose the knowledge of good and evil instead of intimacy, trust with God. On the bad day, it says God showed up in the cool of the day. You would find it in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And God says he, he showed up in the cool of the day to walk with Adam. And not finding Adam, he said, Adam, Adam, where are you at? Hey, Adam, where, Adam, where are you at? Where are you, Adam? So it seemed like God's normal mode of operation was at the end of 
Adam's day, at the end of Adam and Eve's day, he just wanted to have a conversation and a walk with Adam. He wanted Adam's day to end knowing, I'm your friend, Adam. I'm your friend. Now, do you think God knew that Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I think so. I think God saying, Adam, where are you at? Wasn't because God didn't know where Adam was. He wanted Adam to know where God was. That Adam's failure didn't change God's friendship with Adam. It only affected Adam's friendship with God. That on his day of failure, it didn't change the fact that the primary thing that God wanted in his life was to be his friend. Now, you know, Jesus, he's our Savior, he's our Lord, God's our Father, but he's our deliverer, Jesus is our deliverer, he's our healer, he's our provider. All those things are true, and there's many other things. You know, he's our wisdom, he's our peace, <laughs> he's our hope. But all of those things are more powerful if we know that first and foremost, he's a friend Amen. Amen. who has a supernatural ability to save. He's a friend who has a supernatural ability to heal. He's a father who has a supernatural ability to be a father. So it's not his supernatural abilities that I depend upon, it's his friendship that I depend upon. (laughs) I have three children who are all adults now. My sons are in their 40s, my daughter's in her 30s. And one thing that I've come to, to appreciate more than anything It's not the fact that they're my children. It's the fact that they're my best friends in life. (laughs) They're my friends. Uh, My grandchildren. (laughs) They see me not just as as grandpa, Gopa, what they call me. They don't just see me as Gopa. They see me as Gopa, their friend. The other day I I was in Wisconsin a couple of weeks back. And uh, I FaceTimed to my house, and my granddaughter was there. She's two and a half. And we were talking to her on FaceTime, and then I went to say goodbye. I said goodbye, and she goes, no, 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 no. And she grabs the phone. She puts it in her little toy stroller, and she starts rolling me around the house and talking to me. Why? Because she doesn't want to say goodbye to her friend, Gopa. (laughs) Her friend, Gopa. Uh, we went to the fair last week, and they had barrel racing. She really liked the barrel racing so much that at my house we had to create barrel racing. But her friend Gopa knows how to be very creative with barrel barrel racing, and so we have barrel racing in the backyard. Sometimes we run side by side, and sometimes I carry her. But we have a couple of things we do. We make sure that when we're doing that final run. We, she says, bring it home, bring it home, bring it home. She says, bring it home, bring it home, bring it home. That's how she says it, bring it home. And then she also, the last one, we were going and, and she wears one of my hats and I wear one of my hats. She'd wear her hat, but it's better to wear grandpa's hat 
And when we're going, you got to take your hat off. She taught me. You take your hat off and you go, Yahoo! Yahoo! Okay? So we have a lot of fun in the backyard doing barrel racing. But you see, she sees me not just as her grandpa. She sees me as her grandpa who is her friend. And it's a great honor to be a friend of someone who's so small. <laughs> because friends make themselves whatever size you are. That's good. Right. <laughs> and I'm an antique little boy. <laughs> and you know what? I can be a prince. I can even be a princess for the sake of my granddaughter. Because <laughs> that's what friends do. And God, in all of that, is telling me, I want you to understand who I am. I am your Savior, but only I save you because I'm your friend. I'm your healer because I'm your friend. I'm your counselor because I'm your friend. Sometimes I just want to show up in the cool of the day and just walk with you. We don't even have to talk at this moment. Let's just enjoy the view together. So I've spent a lot of days in this last month up 2,000 feet in the mountains with my friend. And I want to encourage you that in this new season of your life, I've come to Deming to tell you, he wants you to know he is your friend. And he wants to be the empowerment in your, in your life where you reveal that you are his friend. There's a guy in the Bible, his name was Enoch. It's found in Genesis chapter 5, one of the descendants of Seth. And Enoch, it says, he walked with God and one day he was not because God took him. In other words, he got so close to his friend's house, his friend said, why don't you just stay here? So his friendship with God made a place for him in heaven, but then it also guaranteed a place for God in the earth in the descendants of his family because he was the family line of Noah, a name that meant rest, and God said, I can rest there. As long as there's a place for God to rest in the earth, there's hope for the earth. And what was it that made a way for God to have a place to rest? I believe it was Enoch's friendship with God. His name meant dedicated. His whole dedication was to be a friend of God and to know God as his friend. To walk with God. That's what friends do. My wife, she's my friend. I'm her friend. Uh, we've been married for 45 and a half years. And that, the reason we're, we're married is because we walk together. <laughs> we don't always know what to do, but we know who we are. <laughs> um, we don't always know where we are, but we always know we're with each other. <laughs> we walk together. That's what friends do. So God wants us to know that. God called Israel, the nation, to serve him because Abraham was his friend. Friendship with God gave friendship with God. Abraham's friendship with God 
gave a possibility for his inheritance to be loved by God and to be able to serve God. It says in Isaiah 41 verse 8, it says, You, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. And then he goes on to say, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I chose you and I have not cast you away. Fear not. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm with you. Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I'll uphold you with the righteous right hand. Why? You're the descendants of my friend. I want to be God's friend because it's a guarantee of the love of God for my children and my children's children. My friendship with God will open the door for God's favor on my children and my children's children. I want them to find that same level of friendship. But my friendship with God is so powerful, it guarantees that God will be with them on good days and on bad days. And they'll be able to serve Him. If they find the secret that I've found, they'll not only be able to serve Him, they'll also be able to walk with Him. I don't want to be known as a servant of God. I want to be known... As a friend of God. <laughs> Power of ministry can't reveal God in his friendship. Only a face-to-face -face relationship can reveal a friendship with God. Moses found this out. It says of Moses, it says in Numbers chapter 12, Hear now my words. In verse 6, it says, Hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, this is God speaking, if there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. He sees the form of the Lord. I want to see the form of the Lord. What's the form of the Lord? It's His way. What's He like? What's the likeness? What would it be to be the likeness and the image of God? I would need to know His form, not His power. Some have called me a prophet. I've had prophetic dreams. I've had visions. That's great, but dreams and visions can't show me the form of God. Only a face-to-face -face with God can show me the form of God. So I want a face-to-face -face relationship with God. In Psalms 103, verse 7, God says he made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. His acts 
His demonstration of power was given to Israel, but his ways were given to Moses. You know, knowing the acts of God were not powerful enough to get the children of Israel into the land of promise. A generation died in the wilderness who knew the supernatural power of manna every day, water from a rock, supernatural healings, supernatural demonstrations. Their clothes didn't wear out in 40 years. But that wasn't powerful enough to show them the way of God. It only demonstrated the power of God, which is more powerful to know the abilities of God or to know the heart of God. <laughs> so friendship with God. Friendship with God will produce faith. Friendship with God will demonstrate his faithfulness. On tough days, he doesn't promise, a friend doesn't promise everything's going to be easy. A friend promises, no matter what, I won't leave you. Now, well, I'll get to that. In John chapter 15, Jesus gave us some real secrets to friendship. In John 15, I'll begin at verse 9. The whole context of this chapter is about a relationship with God that's like fruit on a vine. I had a hard time getting my garden going this year because normally we in Washington, we have April, May, January, July... Summer comes on July 5th. This year we had Apuary, Mayuary, Juniuary, and July 5th summer came. So it was really tough getting my, my, my vegetables, my fruits kicking off because we had an extended January. Uh, so, you know, like I love beetroot. I mean, maybe you don't, but I do. I love beetroot. And, I, I had a hard time getting beetroot. Like, how can you not get beetroot to grow? You know, I had a hard time getting it going. So I kept battling the situation. Uh, but now, an amazing thing has happened. My first crop of beetroot that I didn't think would make it, made it. My second crop of beetroot made it. Now I got a bumper crop of beetroot. I've been pickling lots of beetroot. I got, I got so many pears on my pear trees, I've had to brace them up to keep the branches from breaking. I've got apples hanging off my apple tree. My vines, my grape vines are loaded with grapes. If I get a good sunny September, I'm going to have a bumper crop of grapes. I've eaten tons of raspberries. I've, I'm right now in the process of feasting on boysenberries. I've had blueberries. I've had strawberries uh, in the midst of blackberries. And I even have figs on my fig tree. Uh, my garden is exploding uh, with all of these fruits. But all of these fruits are connected to, to vines, to bushes, to branches. Uh, they're the fruit of being connected. <laughs> the connection in the, 
branches of my pear tree have produced fruit on the end of the branches. Relationship is happening and life is happening. So Jesus tells a story like that. It's like that. Now, I didn't mention the greatest crop that I'm really in right now because uh, I really like hot peppers. I know this is pepper country. Um, I should find somebody. I need, to, I need some... some uh, uh, I need some ground red peppers. What I need, I need some of that. I'm looking at Raymond over here. He'll help me out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of Sorrento peppers. I have a few other that are a little bit kick your tail, a little harder than Sorrento peppers. But uh, I have a lot of peppers, and I pickle them sweet. And I'm in the middle of that harvest too. Uh, but they're also fruit on the vine. <laughs> fruit on the vine. Jesus tells this story about this vine that bears fruit. So verse 9. Jesus, the Son of God, who knew God as his Father, didn't consider being equal with God robbery. He knew who he was. But he didn't live to be God. He was like his Father. He lived to serve. He lived to be a friend. So he knew God his Father, God his friend. He said, as the Father has loved me, speaking to his disciples, who don't know who he really is yet fully, and they don't know who they really are yet. They've been following him, serving him in ministry. They've been following him, serving him in ministry. And he says to these followers, these disciples, these who have been following him, serving him in ministry. He says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and, and abide in his love. Now, there's a little mystery in these two verses, because keeping his commandments won't demonstrate your love in the same way that a revelation of love will inspire you to keep his commandments. So it isn't keep my commandments and you'll finally love me. It's get a revelation of my love and you'll finally keep my commandments. Let's make it a little more practical. Get a revelation of my love and you will finally hear me. And then you'll listen to me and you'll do what I say. Get a revelation of our connection as I have a revelation of my connection with my Father. Get a revelation of who I am and a revelation of who you are and you'll be empowered to hear me. I'm speaking, but maybe you're not hearing because you think I'm not in your world. But I'm your friend. So, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you, as I have loved you. 
without an experience of God's love in your life, it's impossible for you to demonstrate God's love to your world, even as I have loved you. Without knowing the fullness of who God is in his love, you can't be an expression of who his love is. When God, in the last weeks, have been talking to me about this and having me feast back in this word, God, you're my friend. I had to acknowledge, God, I'm, I don't know what a friend is. God, I'm 67. I've got friends. But can I say, do I have friends who are friends like you? See, I've had friends that have misunderstood me. I've had friends who got deceived and betrayed me. And I've had friends who died. <laughs> this last year, since I was here, I think January, between then and now, I lost a really good friend. One of my good friends in life who traveled in ministry with me around the world, many places, many nations, Henry. He went and died. <laughs> uh, he was going strong. His message was always... You got to be the two-wing church. You got to have two wings. You can't have one. You got to be strong in God's word and strong in his spirit. You got to get your wings up. You got to fly. You can't fly. You can't go around like a bunch of chickens. You got to get strong in the word and strong in his spirit so that you can fly like an eagle. That's Henry's message. He preached that message 5 days before he died in an open park. Several churches gathered and he ended his sermon saying, as he often did, he would break into song. He wasn't the best singer in the world, but he was the best worshiper that I knew. And he said, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. There ain't no grave. That's five days before no grave held his body down. So it was a shock. It was a surprise that my friend would go. So since that, I've been sure to say to my friends, <laughs> I've taken some time to specifically tell them how much I appreciate them because I might not see them tomorrow. You know, I have a friend in God that I'll always see. Maybe it was Alex I was talking to yesterday, or Tito. I was talking to somebody yesterday about, uh, you know, we have this promise. There's no promise from God that says you're going to live. There is a promise that says you're going to live long in the earth, but let's, let's find the fix of that. Would you like the fix of that? See, there's no guarantee how long you're going to be in the earth. But Jesus fixed it. The guarantee is you're around for eternity. So if you're holding on to, I'm going to live to 120 years, oh, that is too weak. I'm going to live forever. 
Now, if that's 120 years on earth, fine, but I got eternal life. Jesus fixed it. He made it so that those who love God will live long in the earth. You know, I will live long in the earth. It may not be this nose, but it'll be somebody's nose because of me. When I leave, I, I've already told, I told, maybe I told you, I know I told you this, you maybe forgot, but I told the devil a long time ago, you better get used to this nose because this nose is sharp and this nose doesn't go away. And long after I'm gone, this nose will still be on somebody else's face. So, in my question, God, I don't know what a friend is. He reminded me that my wife taught me a lesson a number of years ago because she questioned a lady when she was we were pastors. A lady wanted to be her friend. I want to be your best friend. And my wife has a revelation that friends come in pieces. And if you'll learn that friends come in pieces then there are many pieces around you that are testimonies of your friend, God. And some pieces of your friend, God, look like an enemy. <laughs> but they'll draw the best out of you if you see them as a friend. Even your enemy, if you see your enemy as a friend, they'll draw the best out of you. If you see them as an enemy, they'll draw out the worst. Now, how can I see an enemy as a friend when I know God is my friend? Jesus was about to face the cross when he's talking to the boys about biding in the vine. He's about to face what looks like an enemy, but he knows that it's really a testimony of his friend God for him to manifest being a friend of sinners. <laughs> so he says, this is the commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, the secret is, as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down one's life for his friends. Now Jesus is getting to the point where he's telling them who he is. I'm your friend, boys. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, I don't want my grandchildren to do what I command them to be my friend. I want them to know that I'm their friend. Then they will do what I command them. So when Jesus said that, the key is not, the key is not returning back to the law and keeping the law perfectly, thinking that you've changed it. No, you can't keep the law without having a heart that expresses the values of that law. He says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. 
shall we say, a servant doesn't know the form of the Lord. A servant doesn't know the way of God. If we take City Life Church, a servant of City Life Church doesn't know the way of City Life Church. But a friend will experience the form and then they will keep the words of the community to be an expression of the community because they see it as a family of friendship. It's not a family of ministry. It's a family of friendship. You see, I'm a grandpa who has a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, and I still change poopy diapers. That's called friendship. Changing diapers is a ministry, or shall I say, it's a service that people who love do. I don't get anything out of changing diapers other than a stink. And so I do it in a friendly way. Woo! What did you do? <laughs> You're hearing what I'm saying. I do it in a friendly way. I express my service as a friend. I peel oranges. They squirt me in the face. I change diapers. I do lots of things that friends do. I don't get my identity out of changing diapers. So he says, All things I heard from the Father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. That's what friends do. I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the Father in His name, whatever you ask in His character, His, His way, His nature, whatever you ask in the form of God, I'll do for you. <laughs> I'll give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. He's revealing them to it's like a It's like a, a vine. It's connection. It's abiding. It's friendship, and you bear fruit. Fruit is what gives life to others in your world. My fruit trees don't give life to, they don't bear fruit primarily just to drop it back in the ground for themselves. They bear fruit so that the environment around that tree can experience the fruit. Animals eat it, it makes them come alive. People eat it, it, it makes them come alive. The fruit of your life is what makes others come alive. Huh. So I'm going to close this by saying this. If friendship is the objective, friendship with God, not trying to earn his friendship. He's already given me his friendship. He gave his only begotten son demonstrating his friendship. 
He gave his only begotten son, demonstrating his friendship for me before I was even willing to be a servant in his direction. The love of God was a demonstration of his friendship to me. In the cool of the day, he still showed up and said, Ted, hey, where are you at? Where are you? Yeah, well, I, I, I got smart and I realized I was naked. When I heard you coming, I was afraid. I was ashamed. Well, who told you you were naked? I'm your friend. I'm not looking at your nakedness. I just missed your presence. Where are you at? I came for a walk. <laughs> you know, the Hebrew word for meditate is an interesting word. You cannot meditate without talking out loud in the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for meditate means to mutter, to moan, to murmur, to talk out loud. Like fiddler on the roof, you know? Talk out loud. Do you talk out loud to your friend? I'm not talking about quoting scriptures. I'm talking about talking out loud in the context, content that you would find in scripture. I'm talking about talking out loud to your friend and then listening to him. I take a hike up in the mountains. I'll go this, this week when I get home. I'll be going out and I'm going to be listening for God in the trees. I'm going to be listening for God in the rocks. I'm going to be listening for God in, in my experience out there. But I'm ultimately going to be listening for God in that still small voice inside of me. And at the same time, I'm going to be talking out loud to my friend. <laughs> God, you're good. Whoa. Did you see that? <laughs> I like to find something. You know, I like to hike way up where nobody's going to go. And I find my ridiculous God is there. He's totally non-conservative. Leaves the heat on high. In the middle of the winter, it still leaves the heat on in the summer. Heat in the winter, heat in the summer. You know, he puts flowers up where nobody finds them unless you go there. He's extravagant. And he wants to reveal his goodness, his friendship. But you have to look for him in pieces. And then if you can find God, your friend, in pieces... You can be a peace for somebody else. What do you think America needs? Well, they need God. But even if they don't know they need God, one thing for sure, they could sure use a friend about now. <laughs> don't you think? So I wonder if God wants to call us to a higher place. He's calling us to know he's our friend and we're his friend. And that we're not perfect expressions of him, but we can be a little expression of him. But it's only to the degree that we can see him as a friend in the pieces that are around us. My wife says, so-and-so is my best friend in shopping. So-and-so is my best friend 
when it comes to talking about this. <laughs> I can honestly say, my wife is my best friend, but there are certain subjects that she knows about that I don't have a clue about. And if she talks to me about it, I'm stupid as a rock. I'm not a good friend there. And I, you know what? There are certain things. My wife, is, is she's my best friend. But there are some things, you know, when it comes to hunting, I just need to find my friend Caesar. Where's Caesar at, you know? <laughs> I need my best friend in hunting. <laughs> or my, you know, when it comes to being wounded, I, I've got a few friends that understand what it means to be wounded. Well, where's my friend? I need to understand. Where's my friend who's been betrayed? I need to find my friend. Not so that we could, not, not in the bitterness of betrayal. Because you, be, you can't be in the bitterness of be, being betrayed and be a friend. You've got to be in being betrayed and realize that your betrayer is also your friend. So that you can be a friend to others in, in the midst of betrayal. Are you hearing it? Yes. So Holy Spirit, <laughs> you're here to help us. What a wonderful thing. We've had a couple of your, chi your kids today, God, that identified who they are, members of your body, members of your body, submerged into the identity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Your name, Jesus, is famous here today. <laughs> but we're your family. Jesus, you came because God loved the world so much. He was willing to give you as a gift to demonstrate your desire for friendship. Not merely to appease your wrath, but to get the things out of the way that would prevent friendship with you. So that there could be a connection like Enoch, a point of dedication that's not a dedication unto ourselves, but a dedication unto relationship a dedication unto abiding in you like the branches abide in the vine so that the fruit of our lives would be the fruit of friendship the fruit of love not the fruit of power not the fruit of works but the fruit of life the fruit of being a friend fruit of a friend who saves, the fruit of a friend who delivers, the fruit of a friend that provides, the fruit of a friend that heals, the fruit of a friend that gives direction, the fruit of a friend that comforts, the fruit of the friend that sees when I can't see. <laughs> Holy Spirit, take us to this place. I embrace, I want to feast on that word. God, you're my friend. I, I want to feast in that place. And I want it to be said in your heart. That's, that's Ted, that's my friend. Put your own name in there. <laughs> I want it to be said that I'm your friend, God.
God, I don't want to lose another friend in this world without a revelation of how I can fill that hole. Come on, some of you, you've lost friends. Maybe all of you have lost friends. My friend Henry was a good friend. He was a good friend to be strong in the word, to be strong in the spirit, to fly like an eagle, not circle around like a chicken. I want to be that kind of friend in the earth. If my friend's been promoted, <laughs> gone to your house. So let me be a piece of that friend in my world. In Jesus' name. I'm going to make this statement, and that's my final statement. And I'll invite you back tonight, and we'll talk about some spiritual realities. Live to love the world, not the ways of the world. Live to love the world, not to be loved by the world. <laughs> and if you'll live like that, you'll live like a friend. Amen.